The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. The beauty of the cross. And I'm sure we all have nails. By now, let me see your nails. I don't mean your fingernails. I mean, I meant <laughs> the ones we're giving. Okay, you can put it down. Now, um, I want to encourage you to please bring the nails with you to church. You take it home and bring it to church um, for this series. And you're going to see why as we progress. I said, okay, but pastor, what if I forget my nails? I hope we will give you another one when you come to church. <laughs> so, well, please bring your nails to, to church. One of the most misunderstood things of our faith is the cross. In fact, it's, it's, it's one, of, one of the things that is most crucial to our faith, yet most misunderstood. Is, is the concept of the cross. It's the cross of, of Christ. I mean, what does it mean to us? What, how does it apply to us? What is the cross? You know, culture has, has, has tweaked and changed how we view and relate with the cross from religion. You know, so we're going to put up a few, a few slides. We have uh, some of us religious leaders. Um, okay. I'm not religious leader. Some of religious leaders. We put up a, of a, I mean, the crucifix and wear it. There's nobody's face showing, so you don't know who this is. <laughs> um, and, and we wear the, the crucifix. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, do we really know what it is? Sometimes we take it a step further. We make, we, we make it a fashion statement. And we, you see... Um, a guy will lose in his shirt and just hang the crucifix there. And does that look cool? <laughs> and we hang the cross on our necks. And sometimes I'm like, do you know what you are wearing? Do you? I mean, sometimes our ladies, we have our earrings and I see Jesus dangling on people's ears. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Really? Do we really know what we are engaging here? And we may take it a step further. We always do, I mean, human beings. And we inscribe it in our hands and our chest and our, and our biceps and, and all. And, be, and we put the cross there. And we and put Christ on the, on, the, on the cross. And And over time, the cross means nothing anymore. A teenager says to the mom, that mom, I need it, I, I want to get a tattoo. And the mom says, you, you, you can't have a tattoo, not when you are in my house. And the teenager says, I love Jesus, I want to put a cross on my arm. Now, are you going to tell me not to put Jesus on my arm? So the mother brought the daughter to pastor for counseling. What do you say to a teenager that wants to put a cross? <laughs> Would you say don't? What if 
That is what revolutionizes our life. The point is this. Even the word crucifix means once that is the one fixed on the cross. Jesus is no longer on the cross. So when you have a crucifix that has some form of image of Jesus, that's not Jesus. It's not there anymore. It's risen. It's alive and it's well. Praise the name of the Lord. He's alive. Man sinned in the garden. You know the story. Adam sinned and God sent his son, Jesus, to die for my sins, to die for your sins, to die for our sins. So Jesus came and died for our sins. All of our sins. And became the criminal that we, we were. So Jesus, because the cross is the place where the criminal was faced with his crime. So Jesus became the criminal. Now think about all the bad things you have done. Think, yes, now, right now. Think about them right now. Now, put them on the cross. Because Jesus died for our sins. Isaiah 54, 53, verse 4, puts it this way. It says that, yet it was in our, it was our weaknesses he carried. Jesus carried our weaknesses. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. This nail, this season, every weakness, every sorrow that is weighing you down, you are going to nail it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thought his trouble was punishment from God and punishment of his own sins. No, they were not, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Every sickness that is still lingering in your body, you are going to nail it this season. In the name of Jesus. All of us, like sheep, we have strayed away. We have left God's path and follow our own. Yet, the Lord laid on him on Christ, the sin of us all. So again, I pray that Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary will not be in vain in your life. I'm praying that, that the fact that Jesus was whipped and, and humiliated and spattered and slapped and ridiculed and nailed to the cross, that it will look down on your life and, and it would say it is worth it. That it will look down on my life, on our lives, and say, oh, thank God I did this. It will look at our lives and, says, and say, why did I do this? That the benefits of the cross will be accrued to us in the name of Jesus. So, for us to walk in resurrection, because that's what it stands about, resurrection, for us to walk in the fullness of what Christ has come to do for us. The cross is key. And the key is the cross. For us to walk in the fullness of the power of God, the cross is key. And the key is what? Is the cross. 
For us to live a life of victory on earth as God wants us to, the cross is key. And the key is the cross. So if we can understand the cross, if we can apply the cross, if we can engage the cross, we will walk in the fullness of what Christ has done for us. And Jesus is saying to us that following him, being all that he has for us, we have our own crosses so that his cross can be useful for us. You know, sometimes we think Jesus went to the cross so that I can party. Jesus went to the cross so that I can live as I want. Jesus says, uh, nope. I went to the cross so that you can carry your cross. And what I did in the cross, at the cross, can be to your value. So, it is when we carry our cross that the fullness of the life of God becomes evident in our life. We can't really follow Jesus if we don't carry our cross. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, Luke 9, 23, it says to us that if anyone will come after me, this is the direct words of Jesus. He says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Let him deny himself and follow me. Now, Many things we call our crosses are really not our crosses. You know, I've heard some people say, oh, Pastor, I'm carrying my cross. I said, what's your cross? <laughs> and strange, strange things. People say very strange things. I've seen people that, that say, oh, this sickness is my cross. How can this sickness be your cross? He was whipped. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. Jesus came to be punished so that you can be healed. So how can the sickness be your cross? I mean, the word of God says, if, if, I, if I build again that which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. So if Jesus is putting sickness on you, while he came to take away sickness, then he's a transgressor. That's what the word of God says. So how can it be? Shame cannot be your cross. Jesus came to take away your shame. It, it can't be your cross. Confusion cannot be your cross. Lack cannot be your cross. A lot of the things we call our crosses, they are not our crosses. So, Pastor, what is my cross? Now I really want to carry this cross. What is my cross? <laughs> A lot of the things we are calling our crosses, are the things that the cross of Jesus came to sort out. So those things are not your crosses. So what is my cross? Some man of God, Derek Prince, the best definition of the cross I've ever heard, I read it about over a decade ago, and, and I mean, it just made, Pete said everything in perfect. He said in the book, I can't remember the title of the book. He said that your cross is where your will crosses the will of the Father. That is your cross. I like, boom. That is it. I, I, I mean, 
The cross is where your will, and it's scriptural. You know, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was about to face the cross. And Jesus said, if it is possible, let this crop pass over me. Then what did Jesus say? Not my will, but your will be done. There are things I want. You can clap for Jesus, it's fine. You can clap alone. There, There are things I want to do. That don't line up with God's will for me. I have a cross situation right there. There are places I want to go. And it doesn't line up with where God wants me to be. I have a cross situation right there. There are things I want to do. To my husband. But it doesn't line up with what God wants me to do for him. What do you have there? You have a cross so we see that this cross thing is something that sticks with us every day. We have to deal with it. In fact, Jesus says, daily. Carry your cross out often. Daily. Daily. In the scriptures, we see over and over again this truth that Jesus went to the cross so that his resurrection power can flow In me, through the cross. How beautiful that is. How beautiful that is. So, death itself. At the cross. Leads to resurrection life and power in Christ. Death to self. At the cross. Leads to resurrection life and power. The NLT translation of that same scripture says, then he said to the crowd, Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, do you want resurrection power? He says, do you want my life to flow through you? He says, you must give up your own way. (laughs) The cross, you must give up your own way. You must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. How often? Take it once when you give your life to Jesus and move away. Is that what he says? Take it daily and follow me. So death to self at the cross leads to resurrection life and power. That is beautiful. That's beautiful. So you you say, okay. Okay, pastor, I'm ready. Give me the cross. (laughs) I want to bring myself. A nail to the cross. But what is this self? What is the self, you know, that I, that I should bring? And I, I've explained the first two services that, you know, many times we, everyone that teaches, everyone that is a teacher, understand the power of enumeration. In fact, enumeration is one of the keys to illumination. Illustration is is one of is another key to illumination. Enumeration is a key to illumination. In other words, when you enumerate, you illuminate. So wow, now I can see. To enumerate is to list. In other words, give me an example. Let me give you an example. You say to your son, clean the house. Clean the house to a teenager. Clean the house. What does that mean? Clean the house. So you go out, you say clean the house, and you leave. And the boy says, his mom says I should clean the house. Okay. 
and he tries. He, he cleans the windows and he plays his game. Then you come back and say, but I told you to clean the house. But I cleaned the house. What if you had said, sweep the floor, dust the furniture, do the dishes, arrange your clothes. Now it's easier for the boy because he knows what to do. So when you enumerate you, you make it clear that, okay, this is what is needed to be done. I mean, also, I mean, I, 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 I give the other example in the first two services that this is Mother's Day or Mother's Day weekend. Or you could say Mother's Month. <laughs> you know, I say, okay, we are celebrating our wives and our mothers for this whole month of March. You know, so let's say my wife says to me, okay, Femi, um, this is Mother's Month. You are buying the groceries. You are going to the market. I many of you know that I've been crucified, right? <laughs> Go to the market and do how? What am I going to do if I get there? I'll say, my wife has sent me here. <laughs> but, but if she says to me, if she says to me, um, um, this is Mother's Month, and I want you to go to the market, and I say, okay, yeah, I want to go to the market for you. And she says, and she gives me a list, and she enumerates, and she says, buy milk um, to um, Sachets of powdered milk, buy um, rice, buy, and the things they buy. <laughs> and she lists everything and the quantity and everything. I don't even know that it's, it's, I mean, I walk into the store like a boss, you know, I would say, give me this, give me that, give me this. I would just command as if I knew what I'm doing, right? Because she enumerated. So this month, all men are going to the market. For our mothers, our wives. Do I get an amen? <laughs> but as a pastor, don't start that for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should go to the market for our wives. So when you get home, give your husband the list. I say, Pastor says you should go to the market. I want you to give him the list. Please give him the money too. Yes? <laughs> so that you can go. <laughs> so we're going to enumerate. We're going to list. Now this enumeration suggests completion, as you know. You know. But this list is not, comp- it's not, it's not, a, comp- it's not a complete list. It's just to get you started. Self. So how? What is self? I need to bring self to the cross so that the life of Christ will flow through me and nail self to the cross. I mean, when I taught this on, um, yesterday at the first service, between yesterday and nine, now I've used this nail five times. Because self came up and I said, where's my name? Where's my name? Where's my name? Take it. I just nailed this right there to the cross. <laughs> I've done it like five times already. Jesus says, Daily. Paul says, I die how often? Daily. So what self? What is self? Number one, the first self that you need to take to the cross so that the power of resurrection can flow through you is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. 
I mean, one, one reason we don't experience the fullness of, of Christ is that we think I'm not such a bad person after all. I mean, we think that I'm, I'm a good guy. Pastor, I'm a good girl. I know what my mates are doing. I'm a good person. You know, that's the problem with God. That's the problem. It, it, it blocks resurrection power. I'm, I'm good. At least I'm trying. Even God knows I'm trying. Have you said that before? Self-righteous. In fact, you need to get this. One of the best things, one of the best things that can ever happen to you is to realize, is to realize that you are not a good person. One of the best things that ever happened to me was when I realized I'm not a good person. Ah, I said, Femi, you can cause trouble a lot. Plenty. <laughs> I'm not a good guy. You know, when you realize you are not a good person, that's one of the best things that can happen to you because you realize you need help. When you keep thinking, but I'm trying, but I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm a good guy. I know what all the bad guys are doing. It's self-righteous. It's a, it's, it will hinder you with God. Romans 3.10 says there's none that is righteous, not even one. Not, not even one. But the challenge is that when we finally realize that <laughs> we need help, you know what we think? We think in terms of improvement. We think in terms of baby steps forward. But you see, God thinks in terms of transformation, not improvement. Transformation. That's a huge difference. So, so you, you, you get a, a, um, a wife that says to me, oh, pastor, my husband, ah, since he has been coming to church, he's, he's, he's trying, you know, He's, he's, he's becoming better. He used to have five girlfriends. Now he has only one. He's improving. <laughs> I think that's the problem. You know, we want to be better, but Christ wants to change us. We want to take one step and become better than we were yesterday. But the, what God asks for you is, is total transformation. If a man is in Christ, is what? Is a new creation. All things are what? Behold, all things have become what? Look, the same way we preach healing and you believe it and you are healed. The same way we preach prosperity and you believe it and you prosper. The same way you believe life change, the power of the Holy Spirit will bring it to pass. The challenge is that many times we want our little finger to get saved today. Then we add maybe the left hand can get saved in two weeks' time. Then in three months, maybe the left leg will get saved. Then in another three months, maybe the belly button will get saved. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you say, oh, but I'm trying, you know. I'm trying. But what God wants for you is transformation. So, huh, you need to bring that self to the cross and crucify and die. Jesus did not suffer, die on the cross, humiliated, resurrect to make you a better person. No, no, no. Jesus was humiliated. Pastor Nina taught us on Wednesday that the, the, 
the disgrace on Jesus. The, in fact, God was merciless on Jesus. Jesus went through all that not to make you a good person, no. He went through all that to give you life. You were dead. He died so that you can live. There's a huge difference between trying to be good and trying to be alive in God. When you're alive in God, the life of God flows through you. Ephesians 2.5 says that even though we were dead, we were what? Dead in our sins. He gave us life. Jesus gave us life. And the life is consistent. We need him every hour. We need him every day. We need him every second. We didn't need him just when we came to to Christ. We need him now as much as when we came to Christ. If not more. Romans 7, 18 says to us that I know this is Paul speaking. This is this guy has planted churches. He has done great things. He was writing letters to the Romans. He says, I know that there nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. In myself, there is nothing good. The deception that has kept a lot of people bound is that we think that oh, we are not that bad. You need to realize that in yourself, there is nothing good. The flesh profits nothing. 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 It is the life, it is the spirit that gives life. So, self-righteousness hinders the resurrection life and power. Surrender it to the cross. So, you need to come to the cross. Take it and nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. The thought comes up in you and you look at your friends or your brothers or your sister and you say, well, at least I'm better than some people, Sha. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I used to be, but thank God, Sha. You are better than... No, you, you take it. You just say, where's my nail? Where's my nail? And what? Boom. Nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. The second thing that needs to be nailed is self-confidence. Self-confidence is similar or different from self-righteousness. Self-confidence. As, as <laughs> uh, seemingly harmless as self-confidence is, if it's just self-confidence, it can be very destructive to your spiritual life. Sometimes, we can be as direct as saying, I don't need God's help. Why should, why, should, why should I pray? Why should I need God's help? I know what to do. I'm smart. I went to school. I can do this. I can do that. I can call this person. I can pull this string and pull that string and make a harmony, you know. Who needs God? And yours may not be that direct or pungent. It may just be, you know, you hide under a very spiritual, seemingly religious statement, like heaven help those who help themselves. Have you heard that before? It's in the Bible. How many people say it's in the Bible? Let me see your hands. Everyone help those who help themselves. It's in the Bible. I'll tell you which book. I told them in the first two services. 
Heaven helps those who help themselves is in the second book of obligations. <laughs> Chapter 7, verse 15. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. But the principle kind of, there's, there's some truth in it. Of initiative. But you're saying, but pastor, what about life issues? You know, when God wants you to rise up and face life issues, you have to face it not in self-confidence, confidence, but in God-confidence. He wants you to face it with him. I mean, the classic story is the story of, Sam, of David, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse, from verse 32. I mean, this is David. He says to Saul, before this, the whole army of Israel, they were waiting, afraid of Goliath. You know the story. David comes and shows up on the scene and says to Saul, the king, David, teenager, says to the king, he says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. (laughs) Saul must have laughed. He says, don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war. Not just a man, a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and I what? Rescue the lamb from his mouth. And I go my way. And I leave the lion or the the bear alone. But if the animal comes after me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this both to lions. There was a lions. And bears. You would think that is self-confidence. Self-confidence, don't you? I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the Lord. Now listen, here's the bomb. The Lord, everybody say the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So his boast largely was rooted in God's confidence that God will deliver this guy to me. We should bring our self-confidence, and root it in God and make it God-confident. Why? Because self-confidence by itself will hinder resurrection life flowing through you. It will. You need to take it to the cross and what? Nail it. Nail it. The third thing about self that you need to Crucify for resurrection life to flow through you. The first is what? Self. Come on. Self. Righteousness. The second is self. Confidence. The third is self deception. Self deception. You know, sometimes we are masters at deceiving ourselves. We, we, we deceive everybody. We deceive, in fact, we begin to believe the lie. You tell a lie so much that you begin to believe lies. And God wants you. To stop deceiving yourself. You know, self-deception can't take you far. God says, take this self-deception, bring it to the cross, and and nail it. I don't even trust 
what I think about myself. So, so what do you trust? I trust what God says about me. Why? Because even what you think about yourself can be flawed. And many times it is. What people think about you, is, most times it's flawed. So I am not who I think I am. You need to get to that place where you can say, I am not who I think I am. And say boldly, I'm not who people think I am. I am who God says that I am. I am who God says that I am. If God says that I am a king, I am a king. Even though my bank account doesn't say so. If I believe the bank account, I'm believing a lie. It's self-deception. I may be feeling afraid, but God says, fear not. I don't believe my fears and myself that I'm a fearful person. I believe God that I'm a fearless person. Why? Because if I believe that I'm fearful, guess what? I'm believing a lie. It's self-deception. It's self-deception. Many times, People say to me, uh, but pastor, I don't know what God is saying. I say to them, you know what God is saying. You know, you know, you know. Uh, you know what God is saying. Say, but, but, but pastor, I don't know. God has not spoken to me. God has spoken to you. Stop deceiving yourself. You know already. But, but I don't know. I didn't have any dream. I didn't have any... But you know what to do. You know what to do. Self-deception. Number four, the, the, number one is what? Self-righteousness. Number two is self-confidence. Number three is self-deception. Number four, we need to take to the cross and nail is self-centeredness. It's self-centeredness. It's self-centeredness. It's, we think the world revolves around us. It doesn't really, largely, it doesn't. We think, oh, it's all about me. No, it's not. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And many times, I, I, mean, I think the first point I was saying that, you know, someone comes up with an idea, and sometimes it's a very good idea, but I look at the idea and I'm like, mm, uh, we are not going in that direction. As a church, we are not going in that direction. There's many ideas, you know, for us to go in different directions. Uh, we are not going in that direction. And they don't talk to me anymore. They are angry with me. They, I say hello to them. Mm, hi. I'm like, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Self-centeredness. They don't seek God's will. Sometimes self-centeredness disguises not in, if, if you think it's all about me, sometimes that is too pungent. Some of us, we are too pious to even think that way. Sometimes, it, 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 it hides under, what about me? What about me? I've tried for everybody. What about me? I'm taking care of everybody. What about me? And you, before you know it, because that sounds very, you know, selfless. Before you know it, what about me becomes all about me. And self-centeredness 
will always truncate the flow of resurrection power. It does. So, when self-centeredness raises its ugly head, what do you do? And and nail it to the cross. So, this nail is going to be very handy. Don't you think so? (laughs) If in our marriages we use these nails well, homes will be so sweet, people won't want to go to work again. I'm telling you, if you nail self-righteousness, you nail self-confidence, you nail self-centeredness, ah, you nail self-deception, there will be no marital problems. Don't you know that? None. None. So you need to keep this nail close to you. Number four. I was just checking. We are following. Number five, finally. Not only should I nail self-righteousness, self-confidence, self-centeredness, self-deception. I have to nail self-hatred. Sometimes we struggle with liking ourselves. Sometimes we say things and think thoughts that, oh, I don't believe God loves me. Those kind of thoughts hinder the flow of resurrection power. We need to, every time you think the thought, look for the nail and nail it. Just nail it. Nail it. I don't believe God loves me. If God loves me, why don't I have $20 billion in my account? If God loves me, why? If God loves me, why? If God loves me, if God loves me, if God loves me. And you see, it is a trap that the enemy uses. When God has demonstrated his love for you already, every time you doubt if God loves you, look at the cross. Look at the cross. Every time you doubt if God loves you, pick this nail and feel it. And just feel it small. Now imagine driving it through Jesus' hands. That's how much God loves you. He didn't spare Jesus for you. Every time you doubt if God loves you, just feel the nail and put it on your, on your legs. I'm not saying you should drive it. Don't drive it. Just feel it. God really, really loves you. You know, the challenge with a lot of us is that we've grown up in environments where love must be earned. Love must be earned. You earn love. You must earn your parents' love. Everybody fights to earn the parents' love. You earn your spouse's love. You try to please and try to, and they are stingy with the love. (laughs) That's all I want is love. (laughs) But you see, God loves you with an everlasting love. With a forever love. You know what everlasting love means? Everlasting means from lie lie to he loves you completely. <laughs> totally. So death to self at the cross leads to resurrection. 
death to self-righteousness, death to self-confidence, death to self-deception, death to self-centeredness, death to self-hatred leads to life. As we consider this aim that we, take, we took at the second um, worship experience, when I surveyed the wondrous cross and applied the words in our hearts, we feel the life and the release that God really wants us to, which is resurrection power. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain. Let's, let's take that uh, the first one again. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gave I can.
afternoon why don't you say to him I need help from you I need help not to be a better person but to be a new person even if you are saved you need help to be new and every day and every day and every day I need help yet there are some of you you've not taken this step at all you need to come to God and say, I need help. You used to think you're a good person, but now you can see that you need help. Or you used to be with Jesus, but you're backsliding. And but it's clear to you now you need help. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You don't need to come forward. I say, Pastor, that is me. That is me. Pray with me. Put up your hand boldly over your head. Quickly. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. God bless you. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. I've never committed to Jesus. That is me. God bless you. Over there. God, over, God bless you. I've never committed to Christ. God bless you. Right there. But if you, you are saying, I used to be with Jesus, but I'm backsliding. Can I come back? Can I come back today, Pastor? Yes, you can. Put up that hand and I'll pray with you. Wherever you are seated. God bless you. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. Lord, we need your help every day every second, every hour. Let your name be glorified in our lives. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. We ask that you reveal yourself afresh. Change their, their lives. Breathe upon them, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.